What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NBA strategy show. Dave Lochran joining me as always every Tuesday morning, Adam Share, And we've got, well, for the first time in a while, we've actually got a new basketball game to talk about, not a recycled one that went for seven games. So I'm pretty excited about it. And we've got a uh, game seven between the very surprising Denver Nuggets and the ultra disappointing Doc Rivers led. L.A. Clippers, I've been seeing many tweets, Adam, over the past couple of days calling for Doc Rivers' head. He's not equipped to coach this team. Anything he's ever won was by no reason of his own. It, t- Twitter gets t- Twitter gets intense, but I will say this much. This is definitely a spot where nobody expected Denver to be heading into this series. Yeah, it gives us one more unexpected two-game slate, but... Yeah, seeing the same Doc Rivers tweets, obviously, that that you're talking about. I saw someone retweet one of his own tweets from like five years ago (laughs) saying how Doc Rivers can't close it out in the playoffs with like multiple examples. And he was like, this is from five years ago and it's still happening. Um, So, yeah, obviously not a game that that we expected to get. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Yeah, we've got two games. We're happy to have you guys with us. Like you said, kind of surprising. No one expected this to be the case that we'd actually have a two-game slate. This will be the last one of the year. This is your last, your final two-game slate, and you've got some huge contests popping off to $100,000 to first on DraftKings, $500,000 shoot-around, and the $500,000 clutch shot, $100,000 to first on FanDuel. So, look, they're not playing around. We're going to keep putting big money. They're going to keep putting big money out there. We're going to keep doing shows, Uh, and that's just the way it is. So what do you say we dive into this, man, with the first one, Miami-Boston? Yeah, let's go. So – I don't see any reason to believe that this game shoots out in that you actually see a a high total. Now, can it soar above 210? It's possible. But both of these teams, fantastic defensively. We saw Miami Heat stymie the Milwaukee Bucks with and without Giannis Antetokounmpo on the court. There's a 210 total. The Bucks or the, uh, the Celtics are actually laying two points. So they're favored by two points. You mentioned to me before the show you think this series goes to seven, which uh, in all fairness makes a lot of sense. But both of these teams have gotten to where they are for similar but unique reasons in that Miami did an excellent job of keeping uh, Giannis out of the paint. 
They made it really troublesome, forcing him to take threes, uh, forcing Milwaukee into to really bad offensive sets. And then they just had them running around, scrambling defensively, not being able to get set. Uh, and and it and it, and it paid it, it, it. They paid their price, man. They took them out in five games. And then the other hand, Boston has the number one defensive rating in the postseason uh, through the first two series. It's going to be an interesting series. There's no doubt about that. These teams have many differences, but a ton of similarities as well. Yeah, for sure. And and to your point, I do expect it to be a a I don't want to say struggle offensively because. Um, obviously both of these teams do have some really good offensive players, but just a, a lower scoring game in general, you know, I'm not expecting this to be one where you're just running up and down the floor getting buckets because both of these teams are, are really, really solid defensively on um, both as a team and as far as individual defenders go. So let's kick it off with the Miami heat. We do have ownership. We do have projections. The, uh, the boom bust tool is up at awesome So if you want to follow along with us, we can do that as well. Uh, the, the highest owned Miami player right now, and we're going to get, let me actually update this to see if we've gotten an update in the past few minutes. Uh, I don't believe we have. No, we haven't. So uh, are, are you seeing, are you seeing ownership for this game? Trying to pull it up now and uh, no. Okay. So we should be getting this soon, right? This is, this is the last one. So we do have projections. We do have the boomer bus tool. We don't have ownership yet. So I'll hit Alex up and see what we can get there. Cause it's going to be really interesting to see how much ownership goes to this game and how much goes to this late game between Denver and the Clippers, which actually has a lower total, by the way, two Oh seven and a half in the late night hammer where a seven and a half point spread, but we'll kick it off with Jimmy Butler coming in at $8,500 on DraftKings. On FanDuel, shooting guard eligibility, he's 8,000. Uh, he's done a phenomenal job defensively. And Butler, in typical Jimmy Butler fashion, has put up some solid statistical games. But he's also been quiet in a few of them because that's just who he is. He's not the statistical monster that people want him to be. From time to time, he's going to have those games, Adam. But look, Jimmy Butler's an all-around solid player that seems to come alive in the postseason. And that's exactly what he does. It doesn't mean he's going to go for 30, 10, and 8 every game, though. Yeah, it's th th that's kind of the thing with him is that he obviously gives you that really high ceiling in DFS because he's capable of taking over any one individual game, but he doesn't have to to still be a factor on the floor. He, he does so many things well. He gets other guys involved and, and defend, um, and there's enough other pieces on this team that can score, whether you're talking about Dragic or Hero or, or Bam, um, that you, know, you, you can't rely on Butler to be the monster usage guy every single game like you can with some other, you know, with a lot of best players basically in, in the playoffs, but his salary is still reasonable as well. You know, you don't get that 10 K price tag on Butler that you do on the best player on a lot of other teams. And so he, he's still a good play. I think, you know, obviously only a two games slate, only so many, so many guys to go to, you expect around 37 minutes from him. Usage rate should be in the mid twenties. Assist percentage should be in the mid twenties. So I think he looks like a pretty solid option, but Probably not like the first guy I'm getting into my lineups, more so of, you know, whatever I do get to, I'm happy though. I want to ask you about Duncan Robinson. We'll work our way through all of these. We will leave no stone unturned on a two-game slate. You know that. Uh, you're, you're, you're talking about somebody who is an absolute sharpshooter, but hasn't really been... They, they haven't really required his services in many instances with some of these games, right? One for four shooting in game one, four for nine, two for eight seven for 13 played only 14 minutes in game five in which they won. 
and shot one for three in that game with two points and a board, four personal fouls. Um, does Duncan Robinson, is his price on a night where you're likely going to need some firepower from beyond the arc, which is how Miami got here to begin with. Uh, does Duncan Robinson warrant any attention here at 4,500? Yes. Um, it, it's not with a lot of confidence, but through nine games in the playoffs so far, he's averaged 26 minutes per game. We've seen a lot of games where he doesn't play at all in the fourth quarter. And then we saw like that one game basically where he played still didn't really play in the fourth quarter. I don't think, but he played like 39 minutes through the first three quarters. Um, the thing that concerns me about him, I mean, obviously the the lack of playing time, but in with regard to the lack of playing time, you know, you mentioned needing his, um, three-point shooting and, and his offensive firepower, his direct backup has been Tyler Hero. So it's not like they're using Andre Iguodala behind him and they're sacrificing offensively. They've just kind of made it clear that they want Tyler Hero out there closing games. Hero's played really well throughout the playoffs. I'm going to have trouble trusting Duncan Robinson until the rotation changes and someone other than Tyler Hero is the one taking his minutes. No, it's a great point. Tyler Hero getting a lot of run too. And, you know, overall... Tyler Hero supplanting him has been pretty successful, as you mentioned. He's not getting up a ton of shots, but interestingly enough, he's attempted double-digit field goal attempts now in uh, in eight straight games. Does that does that transfer or does that transfer over into this series where if Hero gets look look at his minutes 32, 31, 33, 37 over the final four games of that last series with the Bucks? Uh, does Tyler Hero have an opportunity here to put up decent numbers? Um, or do we stay away from him? And by the way, Alex did just update ownership, so I'll take a look at that while you answer. Yeah, I mean, I think that he does. You know, obviously he's not the the first or second option on this team, uh, especially in the playoffs, but he, he's still going to get opportunities. And most importantly, he's still affordable. He's $5,400, which makes him cheaper than on DraftKings. He's cheaper than every Miami you know, regular, like real rotation player with the exception of Duncan Robinson, you know, he's, he's cheaper than Jake Crowder. He's obviously cheaper than Butler, Bam and, and Dragic. So the salary is really affordable for someone that you're expecting to play around 32 minutes, if not more his playing time. You know, we, we saw this rotation going back to the Indiana series as well. So it's not like it was just a, um, a, a matchup, you know, last series. It's just that that's what, what Spolster has been doing. So um, I feel relatively confident in, in heroes minutes the the price points cheap um usage rate is probably going to be around 20 21 so for him to really have a big game obviously you're going to need him to be efficient because he's probably not getting a ton of shots up and he doesn't contribute a, a whole lot in the way of peripherals but just from a playing time and, and salary standpoint i'm definitely interested in here bam out of bio getting the most ownership for this miami team uh, you actually have to come a little bit down and probably 10th highest owned player on the slate. It might be 11th, uh, around 29%. He, he's, he's had a strong series, a strong postseason. He's shooting 67% from within three feet of the basket. That is his wheelhouse. It's exactly what you would expect him to do. Um, and he, he's been on a per minute basis, a solid enough player for us to consider him. Uh, we have to really factor pricing into all of this and, the another thing too is the positional eligibility. We're going to talk about Jokic momentarily, but Bam Adebayo is power forward eligible on on Fanduel, and it's basically Jason Tatum at ninety eight hundred, Adebayo at eighty five hundred, and then Daniel Tice at fifty six, Michael Porter at fifty two. So there's a huge gap there from Tatum to to Bam, and then an even larger gap 
from Bam to Daniel Tice. By the way, both starting centers, both listed at power forward on FanDuel. Yeah, I think that Bam probably is a little bit more appealing on FanDuel because of the position. Um, you could make the counter argument that paying down for Tice and Porter just opens up a bunch of salary. But um, with the power four position being relatively weak and you have to roster two of them, it, it makes Bam a little bit more useful. DraftKings, I think he's fine as well. The problem is just that you have him competing not only with, with Daniel Tice at a cheaper price point, with Jokic at the top, with Zubats at a cheaper price point. So um, I think it'll be a little bit easier to get to him on FanDuel, but uh, a pretty solid site or a pretty solid play on, on either site. You know, you mentioned the production in the playoffs. Um, his his per minute production is down slightly, but still very good. He's averaged 1.16 DraftKings points per minute so far in the postseason. 1.21 DraftKings points per minute in the regular season this year. Um, just he, he's he's a nice play for DFS just in general because he contributes so much in, in so many different areas like if boston does a good job of keeping him from scoring he still has a good chance of picking up assists picking up rebounds and giving you a, a decent total um if boston you know, limits the rebounds there's a good chance that he's still getting points and, and all that so he's not one-dimensional which is really nice the playing time should be there um coming off of their their last game against milwaukee he only played about 30 minutes but um Typically, you're going to get, you know, 35 to 37 minutes from him. So I, I think that he, he's similar to Jimmy Butler as far as the price point, I think, is where it should be on, on DraftKings at 8400 So he's not looking like a, a great value, but he's not really looking overpriced either. You know, it's pretty remarkable how versatile he is. You talked about him not being one-dimensional. Well, it couldn't be any more evident than looking in the postseason. He's averaging 17.3 rebound chances per game, which – alone is is really solid for someone it's not solid if you're rudy gobert because he doesn't do a whole lot else but bam leads the team in potential assists in the playoffs with 10 per game so he leads the team in potential assists he leads the miami heat in rebounding opportunities um and even even on the in the touches per game adam you got Dragic at 76 bam's at 69 so you're seeing him take on a far more versatile role he's actually serving as a playmaker at times uh and and now you know i don't want to i obviously don't want to compare him to to some of the great centers out there like the Jokic's and stuff that can do everything uh, and contribute in every category but as a matter of fact on a lesser scale that's actually what we've seen him do yeah and one one last thing and i kind of a tongue-in-cheek comment but also kind of could matter um you could see a little bit more playing time for bam in this series than you got against milwaukee just because so there's there's so many different offensive pieces on boston that bam could be used to defend because we've seen spolster use him you know on ball plenty um he, he's a really good just def all-around defender but Brad Stevens is going to play his good players so many minutes, whereas Bud was playing his, you know, 32 to 36. You could see an extra minute or two in, you know, on, on average for Bam, just as a result of Boston actually having the players that Spolster wants him to defend on the floor for more of the game. Caress that like button. Show it some love. It helps us greatly. Just make sure it turns blue. We appreciate your support here. Helps us continue to get this show out to more viewers so we can keep doing free content. So if you haven't done so yet, hit that thumbs up. And if you're not a subscriber, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you always know when new content's dropping next. We got shows for days, every sport. We've got something for you from MMA to PGA to basketball, football, baseball, and I'm sure a whole lot more that I don't even know about. Uh
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, the rest of Miami. Let's <coughs> kind of cruise through this, Adam. We hit on Bam. We hit on Butler. We hit on Robinson. We hit on Tyler Harrow. Next up on the list, Goran Dragic. Uh, he has been integral in this team having significant success and getting through the first two rounds in the postseason. He's dealt with myriad injuries over the past couple of seasons, but now you're seeing Goran Dragic play more minutes than he has in a long. I mean, when's the last? When's the last time you remember Dragic getting 40 minutes in a game? Like this is very uncharacteristic, especially under Eric Spolstra. But I love it, and he's playing pretty well. He, on a per minute basis, it's not like he's crushing it. But you don't re, you didn't need him to be crushing it until his price began to rise along with those those minutes in the production. And now you've seen him go from 4,400 in the first game of the Indiana series to 59 in the second game to 7,300 now as we start this Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, and I think that's really where he should be priced. It's not a great value because he does still, you know, like you said, he, he produces at a good rate, but it's not like he's coming in with like, you know, 1.15 points per minute or something. He's at 1.05 yeah. DraftKings points per minute for the postseason, 27.3% usage rate through Miami's first nine games. So that's really good. And, and I think he's priced where he should be. If he were any cheaper, he would start looking like a really, really good value. Where he is, you do at least need him to have a, a good game. You know, it's not like he can kind of just walk into a, a, a good score here, but so it just makes him another kind of, I guess, secondary option where I'm perfectly happy with any lineup I look at that has Goran Dragic. He's just not like the first guy getting into my lineups. Um, I think that in general, Miami's pretty um, priced, you know, pretty efficiently. But uh, yeah, you know, he, his usage rate has been close to, if not higher than Butler's uh, for the postseason. Butler at 25.6%. So yeah, Dragic has the, the higher usage rate out of the two so far throughout the playoffs. Anybody else from Miami that stands out to you? I want to make sure we get to everybody here. Um, as far as minutes go, like you're you're not seeing a ton from from a number of guys that were getting a lot of opportunity early in the year. Kendrick Nunn is for an, as an example, someone that was starting games in that backcourt for the large majority of the season. He's taking a backseat role here, and I think for for good reason. Uh, Andre Iguodala's minutes have been a little bit erratic, but you're not getting really upwards of 20 in any spot. Is there anyone else that we can hit on here that uh, is is viable? I guess we can start with Jay Crowder, knowing that he is playing a consistent 30 minutes per game. And on a per minute basis, he's been he's been floating right around that one fantasy point per minute over his last four in that series. Yeah, his playing time has been there. The problem, I think, is just that the salaries increased pretty quickly. Um, he's 5800 on DraftKings, which makes him $400 more expensive than Tyler Hero. Um, if a, if you can get him at a cheaper price tag on, on a different site, then, then fine. Like, I do think the minutes will be there for him. It's just that he's not a, a great, you know, per-minute producer. The one other thing I would point out with Miami is that with it being a two-game slate, obviously there's not a ton of, of good, cheap value that you can count on. If you're playing large field tournaments, um, especially if you're playing a bunch of lineups, take some shots at Kelly Olynyk, 
or and or Kendrick Nunn. I wouldn't do it together, but we've seen the minutes for both of those guys really vary game by game in, in Miami's last series. Obviously, we don't know exactly what they're going to do rotation-wise against Boston, but these guys are both so cheap. Um, Linux coming off of a 17-minute game. He's 3,500 on DraftKings. Kendrick Nunn's coming off of a 21-minute game at 3,200, or, or basically 22-minute game at, at the end. He's 3,200. If, you know, these guys could both play eight minutes tonight, but if they replicate that 17 and 22 minutes or come close to it, they're probably going to be good values at, at those salaries. So I think they're the kind of guys that in those larger field tournaments, um, you should be taking some shots at, just you know, basically hoping that things break your way. So here's what I wanted to ask you. What do you, do you envision Spolstra doing anything different uh, in a series like this? Normally you, you think there are, there's only so many adjustments he can make, but uh Whereas with Milwaukee, the primary focus was slowing down and containing Giannis, uh, and, and then to a lesser extent, but still significantly, uh, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe was pretty quiet. In, in, in a game like this, you've got someone, or a series like this, you have somebody like Kemba Walker who uh, fully, finally looks healthy. He's breaking ankles again, uh, coming up right to the top of the key and, and just burning opponents, opponents up. He's had some really fantastic games, but he's also looked really bad at times. Fact being is that he's going to play a lot of minutes and he's going to probably get up a decent amount of shots here against the backcourt where Jimmy Butler, defensive his defensive prowess is elite. There's no question. But you've got Jason Tatum to defend. You've got Jalen Brown, who has been significantly better than I think anyone would have anticipated coming into the postseason averaging 26 points over his last three. Uh, and, and then you've got Kemba Walker. So uh, are the Miami Heat defensively equipped for this? Uh, do they just play the zone so they don't necessarily have to worry about a single player? That might be the best move here, given the the amount of, of, of weapons that Boston has uh, in this starting five. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the only spot where I would expect there to potentially be adjustments to the rotation would be with the, the backup guys. You know, whether Spolstra likes the matchup for Olenek and, and plays him more or um, gives Kendry none more run. But I don't really feel confident, like, predicting that here because, for one, I never feel confident guessing what Spolstra is going to do. But also, Miami's just had so many moving parts this year that it's really difficult. You know, a lot of times you can kind of go back and, and look at previous matchups and say, like, oh, I think this guy, I think Spolstra likes this guy because, you know, X, Y, Z. But Miami's had so many injuries and so many guys in and out of the lineup this year that it's, it's really difficult to do. Like, if you go back and look at previous games against Miami, um, oh, for example, Olenek played 32 minutes against Boston August 4th. So in the bubble, pull up the game and he started alongside Bam. So completely different than, than what we're getting right now. Um, if you go back to the matchup prior to that, back in January, you had like Myers Leonard still in the lineup. So it's really, really difficult to say with any sort of confidence what I think is going to happen. I think that um, Olenek certainly could get, you know, his, his 18 to 20 minutes here. Um, he, he has played good minutes against them in the past. If you look over the last two seasons, um, he's played five games with Bam active. He's played five minutes, 40, 29, 28, and 32. Obviously, like I said, you, you can't, read into those specific numbers because like he was starting some of those games, for example, but he, he was at least getting run. And so it's not like it's a matchup where Spolstrom doesn't want him out there. So I wasn't surprised to see some, some pretty sloppy performances in game seven. 
I don't think anybody was between Boston and Toronto. That game ended up finishing 92-87. And one of the reasons, I believe, despite it being inside the bubble without travel and having one day off, Boston went into that after almost all of their starters played 50-plus minutes. Same with Toronto. Uh, Fortunately, unlike the Denver Nuggets heading into the Clippers series, Adam, the Boston Celtics have actually had a little bit of time to regroup here, where Denver got thrown right into the fire one day of rest, then facing a Clippers team that had already been rested. The, the, the Boston Celtics haven't played since the 11th, but we, I will point out that they played a seven-game series. Miami played a five, so they're a little bit more rested. Uh, Gordon Hayward is expected to return at some point in this series, but he will be inactive today. Uh, another time we're talking about Boston Celtics where it's just, all right, hey, you get a lot of similar production from most of these guys. You get a, a decent amount of closely priced players outside of Tatum, who's kind of pulled away from the pack now. Uh, and then a guy in Daniel Tice, who, assuming he stays out of foul trouble, fouled out last game, 23 minutes, uh, and got in foul trouble a couple of other times in this series. Outside of that, he's probably going to get you 30 minutes again, unless Brad Stevens decides to change things up. And I don't know if this would be the best series to do that. So feel free to start wherever you want. So the, the first thing that, that's really interesting to me with Boston, you know, you mentioned that obviously there's so many different guys on this team that can be the number one producer in any given game. They're normally difficult to, to, to rely on. One thing that I'm going to be really interested to see is Kemba Walker here, I think gives early in the series, I think he gives us an opportunity for a, a pretty big bounce back spot. Um, Nick Nurse was pretty set on making Kemba not be the guy that that beat Toronto. You saw a lot of like box and one defensively and just weird defensive schemes from from Nurse basically to, to limit Kemba. And he, he missed, by the way, he, he missed quite a bit of open shots as well. Yeah, um, but he, he finished that series with a 20% usage rate. Yeah, it's crazy. For for comparison, and they can do that though too. They can do that because they have so many other op- there's so many other weapons. But you're you're right. Normally, you wouldn't want Kemba sporting a 20 percent usage rate in the in the conference semifinals. Well, well, and also, I just don't know that Miami takes that approach. Like, wouldn't I, I think they would rather spend their time limiting Tatum probably than Kemba? Yeah, I don't so, think I don't I don't know if I don't know if they would have felt that way coming into the postseason. But judging from what we've seen thus far. I don't think there's any doubt that Tatum is the Tatum is the primary weapon. I tweeted the other day. This guy's this guy's basically a superstar now. Like he's he's fantastic on both sides of the floor, uh, and he's just he, quite frankly he's a little bit more versatile than than Kemba Walker and what he can do with the basketball. But uh, no, I, I think you're right. But it does feel like in terms of matchups here, and granted, basketball is a lot different than it was even a few years ago. Uh, Kemba Walker might have the easiest path or the path of least resistance in, in this spot against Miami. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, the matchup does still scare me because Miami's so good defensively, but basically what I'm, I'm getting to is that Kemba's salary hasn't really gone up. He's 7,700 on DraftKings and he had such a not great series from a DFS standpoint against Toronto that that didn't really move. Like he's $300 less expensive than Brown. Now he's 2k less than Jason Tatum. He's only 800 more than Marcus Smart in games he's played this year without Gordon Gordon Hayward and with um, Tatum and with Brown he has a 27.7 percent usage rate and you compare that to the 20 percent he had against Toronto there's clearly room for him to just be so much better and to, and to really 
just destroy this price tag, especially when you factor in how many more minutes he's playing. I, I still don't love the matchup. Like if you look in the playoffs so far, Miami's been the most efficient team defending the pick and roll. They're not giving up many pick and roll possessions per game. If you go back to the regular season, uh, they allow the sixth fewest pick and roll possessions per game. So it, it's still, the matchup concerns me. It's just that, Based on the the minutes Kemba was playing in the series against Toronto, if he had had his normal usage and, and had a normal series, he'd be like 8,500 to 9K now. But because he didn't, his salary is still pretty cheap. And now you get a, a new opponent that it, it, until I see it happen, I'm going to assume their game plan isn't let Jason Tatum beat us instead of Kemba. So I, I think that you see the usage get back towards normal for Kemba. And it just makes him really underpriced here. Where else are you looking to on Boston? Um, Tatum, obviously, you know, I think that, like I said, Miami probably does what they can to try and limit him. But like you said, he's just really, really good now. Uh, plays huge minutes, does everything well. Um, so, you know, his price tag obviously is expensive. He's up there competing with Kawhi and, and Jokic in terms of salary. But any Tatum I can get to, I'm going to be really happy about. Brown and Smart kind of look like Jimmy Butler to me relative to, to their salaries, just kind of priced where they should be. Um, if I get to them, that's fine, but but I'm not going to be super excited about it. Smart potentially could drop off a little bit. He's someone that did see more usage than normal in the Toronto series, but I'm not convinced that that drops off because he, he's just kind of the guy, you know, out of Tatum, Kemba, Brown, and Smart. Smart's the the guy that teams are going to say, like, okay, you can, you can get your shots. Like, we want you shooting it instead of these other guys. So I wouldn't be surprised if, again, you see Smart's um, uh, Smart's usage percentage in this series higher than his regular season average. His price tag has come up to account for that, though. So um, Kemba looks like the one guy that really stands out to me, followed by Tatum, just because he he's Tatum. Um, Brown, Smart, and Tice, I think, all pretty much priced where they should be. This is by far the toughest spot for Miami in the postseason. You would have thought Milwaukee, but one of the biggest differences – Adam, looking at what Boston has done and how well they can produce from pretty much anywhere on the floor is if you were to if you were to, to neutralize Giannis, just just not even neutralize, just mitigate the mitigate the damage and and slow down Middleton. I know it's a lot, but Middleton shot really poorly in a bunch of those games. Eric Bledsoe in, in many spots was non-existent and the, the role players just weren't knocking down threes. I don't think Miami has the same luxury of focusing on one or two players, right? You have Kemba, you have Tatum, you have Brown, you don't have Hayward, but if you had Hayward, that would be even more significant. Right? This is, this is a spot where if Boston plays as well as they had a did against Toronto and against the Sixers, it's going to be a lot more difficult to, for, for Miami to cover the same defensive ground as they did even against the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, no question, because you just have so many different guys that can be the number one guy for Boston. And, you know, whereas Milwaukee, obviously, like like if you just think about it, you take Giannis out. Milwaukee's like a fringe playoff team. You have Middleton exactly. leading the team. You have Bledsoe, but like they're, they're not. Middleton. What did you say? I said just stop Chris Middleton. Right, yeah, exactly. Whereas Boston, you know, they're obviously not as good, but you take out Tatum, they're still a really good team. You take out Kemba, they're still a really good team. Um, it's just a deeper team. Like they, they obviously... Like when you compare them to with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Milwaukee. Milwaukee has the best player out of the group, but then probably, I mean, so and then Middleton's in there, but like the third, fourth, fifth, sixth best players are probably like all from Boston. And they'll, they'll force you into so many mistakes, particularly in the half court where you just have dogs on defense. Like Marcus Smart, my God, this dude will make your life miserable. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. You can you can hide Kemba Walker's inadequacies defensively because everyone else, including Daniel Tice, who has matured so much this season defensively, like the, – the, they, the only we I'd say Kemba is, is still a weakness defensively, but it almost doesn't matter because they have right. four other guys that can play elite defense for 48 minutes. Yeah, no question. Um, what, and I guess also one other thing to look at from a DFS standpoint here, Robert Williams' minutes came back in the final game against Toronto, played 17 and a half minutes. He's still 3,400 on DraftKings. You have to know that his floor is basically non-existent. Um, we've seen Brad Stevens game to game go from, you know, 18 minutes to eight minutes to 18 minutes w- with Williams. Um, my assumption is going to be that, you know, it's around 16 minutes, but obviously you've seen games where those minutes go to Wanamaker and, and they run smaller lineups. So you're not going to be very confident, but again, just cheap enough where you should be taking shots at him in large field tournaments because of the per minute production if he does get on the floor. And by the way, those minutes were not uh, – that was kind of weird because Robert Williams didn't – Daniel Tice fouled out a minute and a half into the fourth quarter. Robert Williams only ended up playing three minutes in the fourth quarter there. Grant Williams finished that game out. Uh, So it's encouraging on one hand. On the other, you're like, "Eh, well, he's not closing the game out even if Tice gets into foul trouble. But most of those minutes actually came with just normal backup rotations – in for Tice through the first three quarters. So. Yeah, I mean, like, we haven't seen him get more than 17 or 18 minutes, basically, regardless of what happens with, with Tice. Um, and then, obviously, the downside risk is there because we've seen Boston go small, whether it's giving more minutes to Grant Williams, whether it's giving more minutes to Brad Wanamaker, and you get, like, eight minutes from Robert Williams. So um, he's he's still very, very risky. And I'm looking now, but I assume he's probably getting – Right now, we only have him at 11% ownership, which isn't bad. Um, definitely something to pay attention to there because if his ownership comes up, you know, like a lot of times you'll see ownership on a player like this come up because they're, if you project them for like 16 minutes, their median projection is going to be right around 6x. And so because there's such little value on the slate, you'll see a lot of ownership go there. If that becomes the case, you can pivot to, like I said earlier, you know, Kendrick Nunn, Kelly Olinick. You understand the risk that those guys could play eight minutes too. But Robert Williams has that same risk. There, there's really no, there's not a huge difference in range of outcomes for uh, Williams and those two guys. So if there starts to be a big ownership gap between them, I think you can make that pivot. Right now, you, you have, you know, Nunn at 7%, Williams at 11%, Olinick at 11%. In that case, just play whoever you have projected best. You want to talk uh, game two here? Denver yep. and LA Clippers? I really need the Clippers to win this game. Why? What do you got going on? Just how much shit I've talked on Twitter about the Clippers being better than the <laughs> Lakers. I wasn't sure if you had them to win the series. No. Well, I, I had prior to the shutdown, I had a couple thousand dollar bet with Big T that the Clippers would go further than the Lakers, but we called that off when uh, COVID happened. This is the last day to use the red zone promo code. It's awesome. You've heard me say it. 750 for a week, 50% off the Awesome Plus NFL weekly pass. You go to Wendy's, 
you get a uh, number one. What's it, Dave's Hot and Juicy? I think so. You ever do the four for four there? It's delicious, Adam. I, I haven't. I haven't been to Wendy's in a while. I do oh, like Wendy's. Spicy nuggets, a little honey mustard. Can't beat it. But you can beat it because we've got – you can't can't eat an awesome NFL Plus weekly pass, but you will be eating at Ruth Chris Steakhouse after you get it, and you won't have to go to Wendy's. You won't have to go to McDonald's. 50% off the week. Use the promo code REDZONE at checkout. All one word, R-E-D-Z-O-N-E. It'll get you the ownership projections, the player projections, uh, the top stack tool, which is supremely important in, in, in winning tournaments on DraftKings, on FanDuel, wherever. Uh, all of this stuff for $7.50 a week. It's 50% off the top. You can get the Fantasy Cruncher add-on as well. All of these tools uh, developed and, and used by Alex Baker, Alex Awesomeo Baker, the number one ranked DFS player in the world. Um, these are his tools, not just his name slapped on them to, to make it look like they're good and then it's just crap like you see a lot of other sites do. That is not the case. These are the exact same tools that he uses, and that's why we've had so many people have such – uh, incredible success uh, using them. So uh, half off NFL Awesome O Plus weekly pass. That's 50% off. You get it for $7.50 using Red Zone at checkout. One word, R-E-D-Z-O-N-E. And by the way, when you sign up, come hit us up. Check out the Slack chat, the premium Slack chat. It's pretty awesome. If you enjoy fantasy sports, DFS, sports betting, and just talking sports and shooting the shit all day long, there's no better place to be than premium side chat. You got guys that, and girls that love sports and love DFS as much as you do. So be sure to jump in there when you do to the premium side chat. Once again, red zone, one word at checkout, get 50% off your first week of awesome up plus NFL weekly. All right. Denver and the L Oh, and by the way, that Miami and Boston series is the first time in 51 years that a one or two seed in the Eastern conference has not made the, uh, the conference finals. So you said in how long in 51 years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the, the last time since they went to the 16 game playoffs or 16 team playoffs to happen was 1984. But I think that's when they, I think that's when that started. So I think overall it's been 51 years, pretty remarkable stuff. Anyway, Denver, LA Clippers. I can't believe the Clippers have allowed this to happen. First of all, they're laying seven and a half points. I've been wrong. I've been wrong here. I thought they would win game five and I thought they'd win game six, Adam, just full disclosure here. I did not think that they would lose this. Now in game one, I said, if you don't run this, I tweeted this. If you're not running the, the offense through Jokic, you have no chance. They Michael Malone has made a concerted effort to run everything through Jokic. And we'll get to those numbers in just a moment. Uh, and it's been working, but the Clippers are the better team. They're being outcoached, and they're being outplayed in the second half. Listen to this. Their offensive rating in the first half is 121.4. Their offensive rating in the second half, not just in this series, but throughout the entire postseason, is 109.7. I don't know if they're taking their foot off the gas. I don't know if they're just getting lazy, but they're seemingly unraveling in the second half. So I will throw this at you. Clippers minus three and a half in the first half. Seems like something we should all be pretty excited about. But, man, this should never have gone to a game seven, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's... You've Credit kind of to seen, Denver, too, by the way. I should give them some credit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, you've seen a lot of tweets and talk, like, all series about the Clippers kind of just acting like they have this in the bag and they just have to show up and, and they'll get their wins. Mm -hmm. And normally, I just kind of 
ignore stuff like that as just, you know, bullshit talking points that people need something to, to say, but it really does seem like they just yeah. think that by showing up at some point, they're going to get this. Fourth if you've win. watched any of these games, there's you're right. The, the cliche platitudes are annoying, but yes, it looks like the nuggets won it more in the second half. They right. like they won more. And I just don't even like saying that, but it's true. Yeah. It's just that it's, I don't know anyone that played like sports as a kid or high school sports. Like you had those teams that, you know, were the best and basically no matter who they played, it was just like, Oh yeah, we're on the field. We're going to win. And you know, you could get some wins against those guys just because you, you tried harder. Basically that's kind of how this series feels as ridiculous as that is. Yeah. There's no question. Let's start it off with, with Denver. Jokic since game two has a 33.3% usage rate. Jamal Murray's at 236 the, the, the L.A. Clippers have done one thing pretty well throughout this series. They have done a pretty solid job of limiting Jamal Murray. His point totals are 12-27. That's the game they won. The Clippers just came out flat, looked awful throughout. 14-18-26-21. So he's had a couple games, but nothing like what we saw against Utah. Not even remotely close. Meanwhile, Nikola Jokic is averaging 1.44 DraftKing points per minute. He's been fantastic. 29.4% assist rate, 21% total rebound rate. So across the board, that's why I said I'd never want to compare Bam to someone like Jokic. These numbers, production, overall opportunity, uh, and, and amount of possessions that he's controlling in this Denver offense uh, has been incredible. And that's exactly what they need to do to stay competitive without Nikola Jokic taking, uh, taking control of the Denver Nuggets offense. They would never have gotten past game five. Yeah, and it makes sense, too, just when you think about the makeup of the Clippers, basically. The one you, weakness. Right. You had, you know, in round one, you had Murray taking over these games because Utah was basically just letting him get whatever he wanted in the pick and roll, just wide open shot after wide open shot. And they had Gobert out there making life at least somewhat difficult for Jokic. Now in this series, you have whatever combination of Paul George, Patrick Beverly, Kawhi, just chasing Jamal Murray around the floor and, and making life miserable for him while you have, you know, a relatively weak interior trying to, to defend Jokic. So it's, you know, for, for lack of a better word, kind of a funnel spot here for Jokic where obviously the nuggets are more than happy to run the offense through him, but the Clippers basically dictate that as well by, by making life so difficult for Murray. So no reason to expect that to change here. I don't think it's just unlikely that the Clippers put Murray in a situation where he can even say like, Oh, this is my game. Like I'm going to take this one over. It's just going to be really, really difficult for him to do that. And the path of least resistance is, is Jokic. So I don't see any reason not to think that that Jokic keeps being the guy here and, and looks like a fantastic club. I'm with you 100%. Boob in chat says, can we please talk about how an awesome Ahmad said Middleton is a top 10 player in this league? That's Jordan Klein producing the show. My assumption is he's referring to that Bleacher Report list of top 100 that said Chris Middleton was a top 10 player. Yeah, he was. That's how that whole conversation came up. Yeah. Do you still think he's a top 10 player in the league, Adam? Yes. Do you really? I, I don't know about top 10. I mean, like, it, it, he might be 10. Like, I don't have an actual list on like on the top of my head, I do think he is one of the best players in the league. Yeah. Okay. Would you still put Giannis in the top 10? Yeah, no question. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going to say top three. I was no. just like, yeah. <laughs> where would you put Yoke? Or I'm sorry, where would you put Doncic? At? I know they, I know they lost that series. After, and I know it's only one series, but where would you put Doncic now? It's such a tough question, isn't it? 
Yeah, those questions are always hard for me too because it's like one th like one through three or one through four basically you have some order of like LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis, and Davis. Probably. And they get interchangeable. Yeah, and then it's just like I don't know, like Tatum, Doncic. Like there, there's so many guys like in that I don't know five through twenty range that are like more or less the same. I would say Doncic is in there somewhere. You have certainly triggered people. Look, I don't have Middleton in the top ten, but I'm definitely not putting these people are saying Karis Levert over Middleton. That is no the chance. silliest thing in the world. No chance. You can't. Uh, I mean, go ahead. Pe people also just don't believe defense is a thing whatsoever. So there's that. Yeah. Look, there's definitely recency bias regarding Middleton, though, and it's not good recency bias. He had that one solid game in game four. He pretty much single-handedly won him that and won me a lot of money. But outside of that, uh, people are remembering some really bad games against Orlando, Adam. They're remembering some really bad games against Miami, uh, and that's the way it is. But uh, I'm a huge Karis LeVert fan. I'm also a believer that Kenny Atkinson did a ton to further along his maturation process, and that man deserves a job, but there's no way you can put Karis LeVert over Chris Middleton. He's no, not. he's one of the most efficient players on high usage in the league, and he's an elite defender. Like, Karis LeVert's not in the category. Would you agree that he was wildly underwhelming in the postseason? Yeah, without a doubt. All right, so we're both on the same page that Nikola Jokic in this spot. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Denver gets smoked in this game, just throwing it out there. Like, that. This might be a spot where the Clippers say, you know what, we've dicked around for way too long. We need to come out and, and blow their doors off. That is very possible. I'm not denying that, but you can't play it that way. And if it does stay close, the only way it's going to stay close is with another big Jokic game. He's getting like 32% ownership on DraftKings right now. I think that's pretty reasonable. Uh, on Fandle, where, like I said, Adebayo, Daniel Tice, all of these guys are eligible at, at power forward. Uh, Nikola Jokic is getting 25% ownership. I want to actually, well, you know what? I'll ask you at the end of this, because then we can talk about some of the higher price players on the Clippers. But uh, let's run through this Denver squad first uh, and, and hit on a few of the, the other guys that need discuss, to, to be discussed. Michael Porter Jr., actually, 1.09 fantasy points per minute in this series, that's the second highest on the team. It's ahead of Jamal Murray. Less minutes, of course, though. Yeah, the, the minutes are, are basically the problem you run into with Porter. Um, right now, he's projected for 18% ownership on DraftKings, which is really appealing. Um, he's $5,300, which is obviously a really cheap price point. You just need him to get the, the minutes. Um, three games, yeah, three games ago, he got him like 33 minutes. Paul Millsap barely played. One thing that was notable in that game, though, was that Paul George was in foul trouble. And if you look at the rotations that Mike Malone has run throughout this series, you've seen a lot of Porter coming in when George goes out because it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to have Porter on the floor when one of Kawhi or George are on the bench for defensive reasons. So that was the case three games ago. Then Two games ago, you had Porter go back to playing, you know, 20, 22 minutes, whatever it was, and Millsap played a bunch of minutes. Um, last game, Porter ended up at 26 minutes. He closed that game. Um, yeah, on, on the 13th, Porter closed, uh, played 26.8 minutes. Millsap played 21.2. Porter played the entire fourth quarter. My assumption, and, and for what it's worth, George and Kawhi both, 
played their uh, normal minutes in that one as well. So there was nothing like weird there for Porter. So my assumption is that you're getting around 26 minutes for Porter. That's how I'll project it. There is the risk that he doesn't get it. The the Probably the biggest risk would be if somehow Denver is actually winning this game in the fourth quarter, you probably don't see Porter as, as much, but assuming that they're down and, you know, they're, they're trying to come back Porter being on the floor would make a lot of sense. So, if you give him around 26 minutes here, I think he is going to project as a, a good option at 5,300. Um, if the if the ownership stays relatively low, which I do expect it to come up, but if it stays relatively low, then I think he looks like a guy that I'll get to get to a lot. So, Michael Porter, Jeremy Grant, Jeremy, fewer players have busted as heavy as Jeremy Grant as Chalk has uh, in some of these spots, right? Like. I believe in game three, in game four, where Jeremy Grant was 5,100, played 34 minutes and had seven DraftKings points. He was very chalky. Then he follows it up in game six with 20 minutes with nine fantasy points. Uh, all in all, he's been pretty popular, but you got to hand it to DraftKings. It's like, you know, what Vegas sets a line. People think it's supposed to be wildly accurate, but really it's just they're trying to get equal action on both sides well a little bit different in this case but that price tag has has real people in every single time and i'm not saying anybody's wrong about it the value has been scarce it's been hard to come by uh but uh, do we do we finally jump off the the jeremy graham bandwagon here oh and by the way he did have three fouls last game he got in foul trouble in the first quarter foul trouble in the second quarter so that did curtail his, his playing time but he did not play in the fourth quarter, he didn't play for the final 16 minutes of that game. Closing it out was Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, uh, Gary Harris, who's been playing a ton of minutes, Michael Porter Jr., and Torrey Craig. So we should probably be paying very close attention to that, knowing that they went down from a 19-point deficit early in the third to pulling away with this game and winning by a margin of 13. Yeah, I mean, my assumption is that they're going to go back to the normal rotation and Grant's going to play his 35, 36 minutes. The problem is just that he's still expensive enough. It's really, really difficult for him to actually give you a score that you have to have at his salary. And it's very easy for him to give you one that sucks, especially when he's getting some ownership because he, he's, and you know, right now we have him as the fourth highest owned player on the slate. Like if, if that holds, and I doubt that it will, like I assume Porter ends up being higher owned, but if that were to hold, there's just no way. I mean, he's, he's like the perfect example of someone that is just, going to be less productive typically in the playoffs because you're getting more usage going to the better scorers, whether it's Jokic, Murray, Porter, when he's out there. And Grant is basically out there for defensive reasons. Through the first six games of the series, he has a 13% usage rate. And he's averaged half of DraftKings point per minute. That's a lot lower than his season averages in you know both categories. And it's not like his salaries come down to like 4K or something. You know, you still really need him to give you like 30 DraftKings points to be happy that you rostered him at this salary. And that's excluding the fact that he's getting ownership too. So it's just really difficult for me to get to Grant. Um, he's just not someone that I'm particularly concerned that if I don't have him in my lineup, it sinks me. And you can get a leg up on the field by not having him in, in a lot of cases. Jamal Murray getting a ton of ownership too. Are you buying into this? He's right now projected for the fifth most ownership on the slate. He's been getting ownership, which has been weird to me. It hasn't made a lot of sense to me um, for the reasons we talked about before. I don't know if maybe sites are weighting his 
usage rate, his overall playoff usage rate more. And so it's driving it up, you know, as a result of what he did against Utah. And, and obviously you saw the ceiling against Utah, but just an entirely different matchup and a lot lower probability for him to, to go off because of how the Clippers can defend him. And then you factor in that he's priced up because of what he was doing against basically, you know, against a completely different team. He's playing huge minutes and, and there's that, you know, you're getting 40 to 42 minutes from, from Jamal Murray. So that alone will make him a, a decent projection for his salary. But um, he's someone that I wouldn't really want to get to unless his ownership is like half of what it is right now. I don't think you'd need to either. I already mentioned his permanent production, his usage, everything has been down. The, the Clippers have gonna, done a good job of curtailing his production. We got about nine minutes to go here. I'll let you close out Denver and then we'll wrap it up with the Clippers. Um, so if Paul Millsap obviously is the basically the opposite of, of Porter Jr. Like whatever, whatever minutes Porter Jr. is not playing, Millsap is playing basically. Um, again, my assumption is that Porter probably closes this game out. If he doesn't, Millsap probably is. So if Porter's ownership does skyrocket, Millsap's the natural leverage play there. You have to keep in mind too, though, that they're not like one-to-one. It's not like Millsap produces at the same rate as Porter. So it's not quite as easy as just putting Millsap in instead of Porter and saying like, oh, hopefully Millsap gets more minutes um, because he's just not the, the same DFS player. But he would be the guy that you're using to pivot or to leverage against Porter if you go that route. Um, Gary Harris at 4,600 is someone that I'll be paying attention to ownership on. Not a high usage guy, but should play a bunch of minutes. He's coming off 42 minutes last game. At, at 4,600, that's a pretty, you know, that, that that's a lot of opportunity at least. And he's only getting about 18% ownership. Like if, if Harris is going to stay around 20% and Grant's going to come in at 40%, I'd rather roster Harris. Okay. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, sponsor of the NBA strategy show here at awesomeo.com. $350,000 baller this week, 35K to first. I told you guys, leading up to the season, be ready for it. Start learning this site, learn a format, uh, become uh, familiarize yourself with it because they're going to blow it up for, for NFL season. And that's exactly what they've done $355,000. They have CSV edits, CSV uploads now. Also, some smaller contests with limited. Um, limited uh, entries so you're not going up against 150 they even have some management free contests i'm looking at it now uh pj 3k guaranteed no management fee basically no rake uh where everything you pay in as the player gets paid right back out to the player here's another one and another one there's a ton of no management free contests five thousand dollar nfl guaranteed one so just a much better chance of winning here uh sign up check it out Use the promo code AWESOMO when you do to get a little something back in return. A-W-E-S-E-M-O. It's Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. Check them out. Some really big contests happening across the board, especially for NFL this week. All right, Adam. Game seven, LA Clippers. Seven and a half point favorites. I don't see how they blow this, but I've been wrong in game five and game six. I've been wrong about this team for most of this series. So uh, I'll sit back and, and, and see what you have to say. And then we'll turn it over to the um, to the MLB uh, strategy show coming up. You've got who do we have? I think we got Terry and we got yeah, and we got Jake. Jake was up top of that that showdown yesterday. I thought he had a shot to win it, and then late game surge knocked him down. But I was pulling for him. Go ahead. Yeah, so I mean the Clippers, I think look like 
probably the most appealing team, um, just as far as number of players that, that look really good here. Paul George, the first one that really stands out, still only 8,600 on DraftKings. You know, obviously there's been talk about him not really showing up in the playoffs and he, he has been somewhat disappointing, but I think it's really overblown too from a DFS standpoint because you're still getting, you know, 39, 40 minutes from Paul George and he's averaging 1.14 DraftKings points per minute in this series, even with, you know, con your concerns over how, poorly he's played not not you but people in general um you know for comparison he's basically averaging the same points per minute as bam out of bio at about the same price point but most likely playing several minutes more so george still looks like a, a great option to me Kawhi's obviously been fantastic most expensive player on the slate but if you can get to him you're, you're going to be happy about it averaging 1.38 DraftKings points per minute in this series and, and playing huge minutes as well. But then you also get some solid value here with um with Zubats only 4,800. He's obviously a risk for foul trouble, but if he can avoid that, you, you're seeing him close games. You're seeing that Doc Rivers wants him out there against Jokic as much as he can. And so getting to, to 30, around 30 minutes is definitely doable for, for Zubats if he can stay out of foul trouble. And that's a, a really cheap price point for that. Um, Lou Williams has not been great this series. Minutes have been, he played 24 last game. Um, some games he's getting up around 27, 28, but only a 23% usage rate. You are seeing him struggle a little bit because of how many minutes Kawhi and George are playing. Um, it's just, you know, less usage to go around for Williams, but still obviously capable of getting hot in, in any one particular game. Um, and then Pat Beverly, probably the best value as far as really cheap guys only played 17 minutes last game dealt with fouls but prior to that he played 27 minutes so that was really good to see since we've seen Beverly be limited for the entire series up until um, I guess it was game five getting him up to 27 minutes he was averaged 0.75 DraftKings points per minute in the series he's not the most exciting player but he does contribute in pretty much every category he'll give you some defensive stats he's 4k on DraftKings on the slate with very little value so he should be one of the highest owned players on the slate yet again tonight so your top options from across this game, starting with the Clippers? George, and then, like, factoring in salary, I would say George, Zubats, Beverly, Kawhi, and then, you know, you're, you're just taking shots at guys like Lou Will and, and Marcus Morris. Do you think Beverly gets additional run in this game? He did foul out last game, as, as we mentioned. Uh, he fouled out early in that fourth quarter it's likely that you might've seen him play through the fourth quarter. If he ha had, he not fouled out um, 27 minutes game uh, in the game before that they need his defense. Like what are you, how many minutes are you giving him today? I'll go about 26. I mean, that's, that's, we, we saw the 27 in game five. He fouled out with 10 minutes and 15 se seconds to go in the fourth of game six. If you give him those 10 minutes, he's at like 27 and a half minutes. Again, it seems like that's what they're trying to do. It's just a matter of, can he not get in foul trouble? All right. Zubats and Beverly right now, Adam, yeah, number one and number two in projected ownership. So Yeah, and I, I think that's how it should be. I mean, they, they both look like really, really good values, and obviously there's not a ton of value on the slate. The They're risky because both of those guys very easily can get in foul trouble and, and lose minutes, but it's not like there's a ton of great options to, to turn to. And if the game goes according to script, they're both getting so many minutes at their respective price points that they, they just look like great values. All right. Hey, hit us up on Twitter if you haven't done so yet, at Lafayette underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. You can listen to me bitch about Vic Fangio for five hours and Adam Share. You can just listen to him bitch at everybody. Uh, actually, no, you don't, you don't bitch, but you just, you know, you, you, like to, you like to keep things interesting, and I appreciate that. At Ship My Money DFS. Uh, let's give our winners for these games. 
Boston minus two against Miami. Who you got? Miami. Yeah, you got Miami. So would you just take them outright in this one to yeah. win it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's basically just that I because they're they're better rested coming into this game. Yeah, I I am with you on this one. I think this I think this matchup is as even as it gets, though. I really do. Uh, it's tough. So I guess you know if you're on the fence, you take that spot. I don't feel comfortable here. I think this goes either way. Uh, Clippers, Denver. Clippers laying seven and a half. I know Denver has come on super strong, forced to game seven. I'm I, I'm actually going to take the Clippers to to cover this. But like I said, I've been wrong about this Clippers team throughout the majority of this series. Adam, what do you got? Yeah, I'm with you on the flips. And if you want, like I said, Clippers minus three and a half. You might get a minus three in some spots in the first half. You can check that out on Odd Shopper as well. Uh, Oddshopper.osmo.com. You can search everything across all of these books. It's fantastic. It's totally free. And I would love for you to check it out because put a ton of work into that. We really did. And I think you're going to love it. I used it a ton for football, been using it for basketball, and you should enjoy it as well. So, uh, yeah, I'll do that. Give me minus three and a half first half, and we'll see how it plays out. Adam, we'll close with this and turn it over to MLB Strategy Show. Your top three players from this from this slate right now as it stands. Um, I mean, in terms of value, I have to go with Zubats and Beverly, and then I would throw Paul George in there. Um, also, you know, just in terms of, of real players, uh, really like Jokic, really like Kemba. All right. Hey, hit us, uh, get us above 100 likes before we head out of here. We got 357 watching, 95 likes. That's not too hard to do. A little bit goes a long way. We love you guys. We'll see you back here tomorrow. You've been watching the NBA Strategy Show presented by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. <laughs>